Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, we are getting very close to the day, so let's talk about Santa Claus. What's the real story of Santa Claus? By the way, this is kid-friendly, no fear. We're going to deal with history. We're going to deal with the facts as we've got them. And we're going to deal with some of the myths and stories that grew around, but there will be nothing in here that will trouble the, the wee ones in your family. All right? Santa Claus is real. He's based upon a real saint named Saint Nicholas. And the way he got his name Santa Claus, by the way, let's just skip ahead a bit. After the Protestant Reformation, which your kids know nothing about, actually it became illegal to celebrate Christmas in some countries because they had left Catholicism and they wanted to leave behind all of that and all of the joy. They had to make sure there are no joys in religion. So they stripped it out being very austere. And for quite a while, and some, there was a whole generation, some, it was a couple generations, some churches to this day still don't celebrate it because of that original idea of, well, we can't have anything to do with all that joy if it's connected in any way with Catholic history. So during that time, however, the Dutch still wanted to celebrate him, but they couldn't use a saint name. So they couldn't say St. Nicholas. So they came up with a nickname, Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas, when it came across to America, if you remember, a lot of people don't. The Dutch made a big impact in early America. In fact, uh, New York was once New Amsterdam. It was a very Dutch colony up through there. Well, Sinterklaas became an American accent, Santa Claus. So that's how he went from St. Nicholas to Santa Claus. Anyway way back, way back around 270 AD, just about 230 years after Jesus's death, St. Nicholas was born in Turkey. And in fact, he is so popular to this very day that the number one churches, a number one name that churches are given in the Catholic faith would be Mary. And we'd all uh, agree that that's appropriate. You might be surprised number two is St. Nicholas. He made a big impact. He, um, he went to jail for his belief because the Roman emperor persecuted people of belief. He was a very austere man, rather stern. He believed that when Jesus talked about being poor and caring for the poor, that he meant it. And so he gave away anything that came to him. And he demanded that others treat the poor with respect and gentleness. And he was known for receiving gifts and then giving the gifts uh, quietly away to the poor. Uh, He also stopped the execution of some people whenever he he decided they were innocent, and he boldly got up on the scaffold and grabbed the sword away from the executioner, and the three men were let free. There are a lot of stories of his bravery out there. Uh, He has become the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, 
penitent thieves, in other words, thieves that aren't thieving anymore, um, women who work the night, let us say, uh, kids, brewers, pawnbrokers, people who are single, students, and, and more. So a lot of groups adopted him as their patron saint, and for good reason. Uh, and by the way, his saint day is celebrated December 6th, so we've already passed that this year. But it's rather close to Christmas, which is just kind of a coincidence, but it's also rather nice. He was, um, he was brave, so brave that he would go stand in the face of anybody who he thought was doing wrong, mistreating people, or who was teaching false doctrine. And there's a story, and I have to tell you that I love this story, and I so want this story to be true, but right now it looks like it probably isn't, that at one of the great councils of the faith, we had to sort out, you know, what to really believe, what, what do we live for, what do we die for? Well, uh, St. Nicholas believed in the Trinity, as I do, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal, all God from the beginning, all three, all one. Well, Arius, who was a very powerful, very wise uh, bishop of the day, believed that God the Father created the Son and the Spirit, and that they have been from eternity with him. And there are a lot of people who still believe that. There are all kinds of different clashes there. And the Bible doesn't tell us that we have to believe one way or the other, although I think the evidence leans toward the Trinity. That said, St. Nicholas could not put up with Arius and his arguments at this council. The story is told that St. Nicholas decked him, and he got in trouble for that, as he should if he hit a fellow preacher. But Arius lost that debate, and St. Nicholas and his group won that debate. And whether or not there was a punching incident, we don't know, but it kind of makes Santa Claus more buff and tough and rough, which in reality he was. The most famous story about St. Nicholas is probably true at its core, but it has been embellished over the years to become something really powerful and new and different. All right, we'll start. He always found ways to give money. Whenever he got money, he gave it to those who needed it, but he liked to do it without them knowing he had done it. There was a man in the village where he was that had three daughters, and the man was destitute. He was poor. His wife had died. Uh, he had no money. And when you had no money back then, you starved to death, or you made yourself a slave. If you couldn't become a servant, you became a slave. And at that point in time, in that particular culture in which he was, the differentiation between servant and slave was not cut as, as much as it would be today. The only way he could feed his daughters was to give them away in slavery. What a horrible fate. Well, the story is that Nicholas heard about this, and he quietly went by the window and tossed in a bag of gold. Now, another story is that he climbed up on the roof and dropped it down the chimney, and it landed in stockings that were there drying by the fire. They didn't have clothes dryers back then, kids. So now you know where the hanging your stockings comes from and coming down the chimney comes from. 
Most of the stories say he tossed through the window, but there are enough to say the other side that it caught on. Well, this happened three times, three successive nights, because St. Nicholas knew that this man had three daughters, and if one was going to have to be sold into slavery, the others would be as, as well. So he threw enough in there to where they could make it on their own and make their own business, find their own husbands, if that's what they chose. This became so well-known so early on in Christianity, and it still speaks to us today, this idea of giving quietly. This comes from Santa. It is a gift from a holy person who has passed by. Palm brokers to this very day, if you go past a palm shop, not all of them now because things change, but in the old days and in the pictures of it, and many of us remember, pawn shops always had these three golden balls hanging off of a sign. And you may, when you looked at it, it was kind of like a barber pole with the red and white stripes. You knew immediately, that's a barber shop. When you looked over here, you saw, that's a pawn shop. Well, where'd that, those three different balls come from? They were the three different bags of gold. In other words, poor people sometimes have to pawn. That's a temporary giving away of your stuff. And they, they give you some money for it and they hold it for a certain amount of time. And you either come back and pay for it or they get to sell it. And so that, that all comes from St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas did a lot more than that. Um, he has got his feast day actually with Orthodox, Catholic, Lutheran, and Anglican Christians all have their feast day. Um, he several other short stories I could I could go to here. There was a famine, and uh, here comes in a couple of ships full of grain. But when they see the people of Myra, that's in modern-day Turkey, did not have enough money to buy the grain, they were just going to sail away. Well, Nicholas got on the ship, <clears throat> and the story is that he convinced them to go ahead and um, offload a lot of the grain anyway. Now, it's really murky on how he convinced them. But until really the 1800s, the picture of Sinterklaas or St. Nicholas was of a stern figure with a frown on his face just confronting people while still giving to the poor. And his heart was for the poor. His heart was for children. He protected children was a big part of his life, keeping them away from slavery, away from sin, and away from those that would abuse them. And so you needed a stern individual to do that, a rather muscular Christianity, if you will. Well, he convinced them somehow to offload a lot of the grain. And then the story is told that whenever they sailed away and went where they were going, and they opened up the, the hold it was the same amount of grain they'd started with, that God had resupplied them because they had listened to Nicholas and fed the poor. Stories like this go on and on, and they're wonderful stories. The modern-day vision of him has also been driven by something else, and we're not going to talk in any detail about this, but moms and dads can look at this uh, if they want to. For many, many, many uh, hundreds of years. Santa Claus was not alone in winter giving out gifts. There was somebody else out there that wasn't giving out gifts. It was a pre-Christian demon called Krampus. Starts with a K. Krampus. 
and you can uh, the stories and the pictures about him were everywhere all the way up through the middle to late 1800s is when his legend began to die because Santa Claus was really rising at that time uh, and they weren't afraid of him anymore but even to this day in some rural areas of the Netherlands and in Germany parents will warn their kids to behave or Krampus will get them kids if you're listening to this we believe in Jesus and we have there's nobody out there like Krampus he does not exist Jesus is our king and our messiah St. Nicholas, one of his big jobs for about a thousand years was to protect children from Krampus. And so if you go back before 1860, 1880, you're going to find those pictures together a lot in books and in tales of mythology. So he protects the children. He gives them gifts, especially the poor. He gives gifts. And it would be nice for us to actually give more gifts to poor who are in true need. We're not talking about you know, somebody who just wants stuff. We're talking about people who are really hungry where their kids don't have things. And so, you know, doing more of that and less of buying everything in sight would probably be a good idea. It would certainly make St. Nicholas a lot happier. But in, 18, in the 1860s, there was a cartoonist called Thomas Nast, N-A-S-T. And he, when they, we say cartoons, by the way, we're not talking about uh, funny cartoons. We're not talking about Japanese anime or something like that. These, you didn't have picture illustrations. And so what you would do is you would make drawings and caricatures. And so cartooning was a very serious, usually political uh, business back then. And Thomas Nast did many drawings of the Civil War because that's where he got his start. But he also created a picture of Santa Claus, where he's big, he's heavy, bearded most of the time, sometimes not, big cheeks, um, you know, red cheeks, and happy with a big smile. And that was a game changer. And then comes along uh, a bunch of other, like Coca-Cola marketing, that turned him into this big, full-color, jolly old elf. And other, like the, the night before Christmas, those type of stories all began to come together then. And fears of the dark and of Krampus and anybody who might have lived in it goes away and the light and the joy of Christmas comes with St. Nicholas, who is now, we get to see his heart. Because you see, on the outside, when he was always really stern, it was because his heart was good. It was because he wanted love and protection for children and for the poor, and for women who were caught in a system that did not honor them and treated them as if they were just things. He was stern to protect them because his heart was sweet and kind. And so the pictures we get from Thomas Nast and Coca-Cola and all of these others, Montgomery Ward, and we talked a wee bit about that last week, all of those things, well, they're really true. Because the heart is what really matters to God. He even says, man looks on the outside, but God looks upon the heart. So, Santa Claus, is he real? He always has been. He's always been the symbol of the one who will protect and give. The one who will love others 
at all times. That's a pretty good person to have about. And the good news is there are a lot of people in our lives that play that role for us. I know my wife and I are carried daily by people who love us, like you. And so to all of you, very Merry Christmas. And yes, I know that a Monday this year is Christmas Day. I'll still be there for that. Our safe harbor will, will be there on, on Monday with a little message. But you know something? It's okay if you don't listen on Monday. If your family's around, spend time with them. You can always come back to screens another day. Merry Christmas. And I'd say to all a good night, but I have the feeling somebody else already did that. <laughs>